0: Um, We have been in the book of Acts for the summer, and what I've been calling the series is Asylum, because what God does in the telling of his good news to people is he draws together men and women who would not otherwise be together, and he tells them to learn to do family together, and he tells them that their need is entire they're not kind of needy they're entirely needy of his love and his grace and of relearning how to be human how to love him and how to love neighbor i really enjoyed chapter 8 which we looked at last week which had such a fascinating group of people a little foreshadowing of a very violent man named saul that we'll learn a little more about today Peter and John are in the story, the disciples, maybe you've heard of them, and it seems like they have a cool role, but if you know the context, God is teaching them that men and women of other races are welcomed in exactly the same as anyone else. There's a magician named Simon. He thinks his religion is so that he can be famous or rich or leverage it relationally, and he gets a really kind of hilarious but strong rebuke from the Apostle Peter. There's an Ethiopian eunuch. He comes to faith in Jesus and is baptized immediately. And the reason I'm summarizing chapter 8 on a week that I want to summarize chapter 9 is because uh, perhaps you haven't watched the news uh, in the last couple days. That's okay, you can catch up. Um, But there have been some, some awful things happening in another part of the country. And you and I all need help learning that every other human is made in God's image and then learning to treat them that way. Smaller versions of the same incident that happened in Charlottesville have happened here because humans need desperate help learning that everyone is made in God's image. And when a human tells any other human that they're above them, for whatever reason, it's evil. You and I all need help learning that. I wanted to say that kind of clearly from the pulpit because it overlaps a lot with Acts chapter 8 and Acts chapter 9 and because it's on some of our minds. This is one of the reasons that the church exists. To make much of the good news that because of the work of Jesus we're reconciled to the Father and then to teach us how to do humaning learning that no human is above any other, learn how to love each other, forgive one another. And so it makes me happy that before any of that happened, the sermon title was learning to hug our enemies. It's what Christians do. I watched this British comedian a couple of years ago and he was mocking Christians. And uh, he said, after the show or during the show, one of the guys was like, you wouldn't do that if I was Muslim. And the guy was like, you're right. What are you going to do, Christian? Forgive me? And I love that. Because we believe all sorts of funny things, like Jesus coming back on a white horse. Heaven and earth are actually going to collide. Moses and Elijah showed up and talked to Jesus, and Peter brilliantly said, should I pitch a tent? That was his brilliant response. Like, Christians believe all these interesting things. And when people not of the faith or of the faith want to poke fun at that, what are we going to do? Our faith is one of love for God and love for neighbor. We miss that in all sorts of ways and need to learn it in all sorts of ways. And it's evil when a human tells a human they're beneath them. The church is an asylum for all people, even enemies. Jesus began teaching about this with his turn-the-other-cheek and other teachings. The gospel and and Jesus himself continue this message. In Acts chapter 9, a very violent man learns a new way to see. His name at the time was Saul. During the course of this story, his name is going to be changed to Paul. And I'd just like to point out real briefly... No one really questions whether there was a man named Saul who changed his name to Paul and at one point was persecuting the church and then became probably the biggest proponent of Christianity the world has ever seen. The reason I point that out is there's evidence about that. It's not just this weird old religious book. There's evidence backing up the truths. Of Christianity. But I'm going to read the story from this book today. And some of you are like, oh, that's so cuties. You're reading a kid's book because the kids are in service. No, no, listen. And some of you have heard me say this a lot. You can hear it again because I have a microphone. Um, <laughs> the Jesus Storybook Bible tells, especially in the Old Testament, but in the New, the stories of the people of God in light of the good news of Jesus better than any book, adult or kid's book that I have ever read. Years ago, I bought my mom a, a really excellent book by one of my seminary professors when she asked to understand the Old Testament better, and she did never touch it. And then I referenced this, and she asked for a copy, and she read it cover to cover like three times, and she wept, as I have repeatedly, because it tells the story of God's pursuit of his people excellently. Of all the people who kept the rules, Saul was the best. I'm good at being good, he'd tell you. He was very proud and very good. But he wasn't very nice. Saul hated anyone who loved Jesus. He traveled around looking for them. He wanted to catch them and put them in prison. He wanted everyone to forget all about Jesus. He didn't believe Jesus was the rescuer. And he didn't believe Jesus was alive either. You see, Saul had never met Jesus. So one day, Jesus met Saul. Saul was on his way to Damascus when suddenly a dazzling light flashed like lightning. It was brighter than the sun. It was too bright. Saul shielded his eyes and fell to the ground. He heard a loud voice. It was too loud. It gave Saul a headache. Saul, Saul, said the loud voice, Why are you fighting me? Lord, Saul answered, Who are you? I am Jesus, said the voice. When you hurt my friends, you are hurting me too. Saul's whole body trembled. Go to the city, Jesus said. I'll tell you what to do. When Saul opened his eyes, he couldn't see. His helpers had to hold his hand and lead him like a little child. Saul was blind for three whole days, and yet it was as if he was seeing for the very first time. Meanwhile, there was a man called Ananias who loved Jesus. Jesus came to him in a dream and said go to Saul and pray for him and I will make him see again Ananias knew all about Saul and how he hated Jesus's followers Lord he has come to hurt us But Jesus told Ananias Saul is the one I've chosen to tell the whole world Who I am So Ananias went to Saul brother Saul Ananias said it was Jesus you met on the road And Ananias prayed for Saul Suddenly, Saul could see again, but he saw everything differently. He wasn't mean anymore. He even changed his name from Saul to Paul, which means small and humble, the very opposite of proud. And do you know what Ananias' name means? The Lord is full of grace. Grace is just another word for gift, which is funny, because that's just what Paul's message was all about from then on. It's not about keeping rules, Paul told people. You don't have to be good at being good for God to love you. You just have to believe what Jesus has done and follow him. Because it's not about trying, it's about trusting. It's not about rules, it's about grace. God's free gift that cost him everything. What had happened to Paul? He met Jesus. Paul got a new job. He called himself a servant and traveled everywhere telling everyone about Jesus. He got shipwrecked three times. He even ended up in prison. God loves us, he wrote from prison. Nothing can ever, no not ever, separate us from the never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love of God, he showed us in Jesus. And so it was, just as God promised Abraham that dark night all those years before, the family of God's children grew and grew until one day they would come to number more than even all the stars in the sky. What we do on Sunday mornings um, is typically called corporate worship and the ministry of the Word. And when we take communion and when we get to witness a baptism, and when we've had a whole week of 5 and 8 and 88 and 62-year-olds making hand motions and praising God, the ministry of the Word has been very present in this place. And so I don't sense the need to preach too much longer, which I like to do, but I'm not going to do today, because you have been recipients of of the ministry of the word in various ways and we're going to do one thing that we don't normally do during a sermon we're going to watch the day camp video and some of you like still don't actually even understand what day camp is you saw a lot of hand motions you see a lot of flags and you're like I guess that's cool Um, young men and women praised Jesus here and young men and women who don't know Jesus had fun here and we had 80 year old and 60 year old and 40 year old and 20 year old and 15 year old volunteers Doing the same thing, and it was a good week. I'm thankful that uh, we got to look just a little bit at Acts nine. I'm thankful that you got to see a baptism of two beautiful girls. I'm thank you that whether you were, I'm thankful that whether you were at day camp or not, you saw that kids had fun here because of Jesus. Um, a lot of adults too, whose knees and ankles probably hurt even more than mine. But it was so worth it. Those things are the ministry of the word just as much if not perhaps more sometimes than a sermon. And I want to say uh, briefly something I said about a month ago and something I was trying to allude to earlier with Acts chapter 9 and something I said to the junior high and senior high kids that I had for devotionals. Um, My wife was cheering just for that one little shot of me, thank you. All of that evidence in the book of Acts is supposed to remind us today, what if it's all true? all the things that Dan mentioned in his prayers about Jesus coming to earth, dying and then rising again, all the things that I mentioned as I was baptizing, those beautiful girls, all the things that the speeches of the book of Acts summarize, what if they're true? If they really happened, then what that means, if you're a follower of Jesus, is that you are known by God and loved. It means you are fully found In him. It means he likes you. You know why I say that? Because Jesus had so much fun with his friends that he was accused of being a drunk and a glutton. And I think that's because he loved his friends so much that he was accused of that. You're not just loved, but you're liked. You're not just found, you're forgiven. And you're deeply loved by Jesus. And so am I. That's why we do day camp. That's why we do church every Sunday morning. That's why we sing not quite as raucously as we do at day camp, but still, there were some hand motions this morning because it's such good news that followers of Christ are known and loved, liked and forgiven and found in Him. What the kids sang every day and what they were singing when they put those crowns on the throne, that's not my chair, Jesus' chair, right? Because of the good news of Jesus, a man who hated Jesus a lot penned a letter to a group of churches and he says, because of Jesus, we are no longer slaves to fear, but are sons and daughters and heirs of the true king. That is good news. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, we thank you that you are a good father. We thank you that because of the work of Christ, we are reconciled to you and we're thankful that we have the Holy Spirit assuring our hearts that you love us. Bless us this morning. Thank you for day camp. Thank you for the baptism of those two beautiful girls. Thank you for these men and women, all of whose voices you delight in. Give us a sense of that, Holy Spirit, as we go out singing this morning. Amen.